0: I'm Dr. Magna Mahambre, and you're listening to SPARK, a relationship and sexual wellness podcast where we believe the grass is greener where you water it. So today we're talking about emotional intelligence. In context of romantic relationships, this refers to our ability to accurately identify what we're feeling. Understand where these feelings are coming from, and then be able to appropriately express these feelings to our partners. It also involves our ability to listen, acknowledge, and support our partners when they communicate their feelings to us. And ultimately, these efforts can facilitate deeper intimacy and growth in our relationships. So, I'd like to introduce today's guest who happens to also be my husband. Andy Kuss. Welcome to the show.
1: Hi. It's great to be here.
0: <laughs> so I had a few different people in mind that I um, could have potentially interviewed today, but I decided to bring Andy in because one of the things that I admired most about him when we met and continue to admire in him today is his deep level of emotional intelligence. You know, it's it's cool to hear from experts on certain topics who have insight to offer from a more professional perspective. But I think it's also important to hear from regular people in real relationships who have insight to offer based on their personal experiences. And I couldn't think of anyone better than <laughs> you. So, um, you know, I can obviously give people the academic definition of emotional intelligence, but I'm curious to know, in your opinion, how would you define emotional intelligence?
1: Hmm. Um, well, I think you you kind of covered it really well. I don't know how I, I would uh, kind of color it differently. You know, I think f- for me, uh, it, it took a while to get to a place where I'm having someone else my you know my wife <laughs> say that I'm a deeply emotionally intelligent person I hear that and I'm like mm, I don't know. I'm working on it you know um uh you know I think that you know that that's part of it um is humility and knowing that like the work like you never get it right and you never get it done kind of thing yeah and um uh, you know I I uh you know I'm grateful for all the experiences that I've had leading up to our relationship um but you know I think that past partners for sure would not call me emotionally intelligent you know mm-hmm. it's it's not something that happens overnight and I think that it, it really does take a deliberate and an intentional effort um to to get to that place where you know you you feel confident that you are emotionally intelligent Right, um, you know what is an emotional intelligence to me? i guess it's well, it's difficult <laughs> it's challenging i guess um you know it's 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 um it's non reactive i guess, in a way, so whereas before something that somebody you know did that uh, that affected me in a way that that felt bad uh, there might have been a there might have been a, a reaction um or a reactive uh behavior where now it's more reflective and and patient mm-hmm. and and okay what what's really going on here like yeah. why am i being triggered right now so, cuz it's rarely ever the other person it's it's something that That you're dealing with on your own.
0: Yeah. It sounds like you're saying emotional intelligence is almost like a filter. So before there used to be a stimulus and an immediate response or immediate reaction. And now it's like there's a stimulus and then it goes through this filter where, you know, the emotionally intelligent part of your brain goes, okay, hang on, before I respond, let's break this down. Like what is happening? Why am I feeling the way I'm feeling in reaction to it? And before I just. Impulsively react. Let me think through this on a deeper level and and figure out how you know what I want to say in response.
1: Yeah, you know when we had when we met, I had already done a lot of the work. You know the work continues. It always, the work being you know emotional intelligence. Let's just call it. I guess (laughs) it's you know like like I said, it's it you never get it right and you never get it done right. So but I had done a lot of the work to get to a place where I was confident in my emotional intelligence i guess and i remember you know some of the first arguments or whatever that we had you know and i remember feeling very different in those moments because i hadn't been in a relationship after i had gone through the process of um, kind of unmasking myself so to speak um which when you go down this road of emotional intelligence training, if you go through an official training or if you just do the work on your own, you know, you have to have, um, it it really helps to have, you can't do it on your own, Mm -hmm. you know, because you need that honest feedback from people and you need to have people hold up the mirrors for you that you can't see. Right. Um, but anyway, I remember some of the first, I remember we called them couch talks because we would sit <laughs> down on the couch and you'd be like, I don't know this thing you did or whatever. And, and we would just like talk. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, not really talking a whole lot. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember <clears throat> he, you know, like listening to whatever it was that you had to say and kind of sitting with it and, you know, you know, shaking my head. Yeah. I could see, I could, I you know, now that I if I think about it, I could I can understand where it is you're coming from. Mm-hmm. And truth be told, I don't really know exactly what to say. So just holding the space is really powerful in and just being the way your way of being yeah. can be a response m- much louder than any amount of words. Yeah. You know? And I think I'm, I'm bringing that up because later down the road, he brought it up to me. When we had those first, you know, calm arguments or whatever conflict, right? That was something that in reflection, you were like, that was really meaningful to me. Mm-hmm. You said that.
0: Well, that's the only way that I knew we could move forward is that, you know, when I brought differences up, It's possible you could have gotten really defensive or fought back or, you know, argumentative, or it just could have gone downhill. And what I found is that time and time again, when I would bring up any concerns I had, you were a really good listener. And I felt like you were actually processing what I was saying. You were empathizing with what I was feeling. And the first words that came out of your mouth were typically validating. Right, and it doesn't mean mm-hmm. you necessarily agreed or you were saying that you were wrong, but you were acknowledging that you could see how I would feel that way, and mm-hmm. there was a period at the end of that sentence. It wasn't. I can see how you feel that way, but yeah, but it was actually, I can see how you feel that way, yeah, and silence. And in that moment, I it's it it actually like it almost bursts the balloon of. Um, you know, frustration and anger and resentment or whatever you may be feeling in the moment because to simply be heard alleviates half of the tension, right? Mm-hmm. And then you can begin to calmly talk through the issue in more detail. Um, but I've, I've not known many people who have the ability to sit and listen and process and acknowledge the way that you do.
1: Well, you know, I, I mean, that's nice to hear. <laughs> you know, and I, I mean... Um yeah. Well, I think that it wouldn't have happened had I not gone through through the next level program. Yeah.
0: So tell us um, a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, so next level Columbus um is an emotional intelligence and leadership program that I went through after I had kind of exploded my life <laughs> and I was putting it all back together. Um it, it's it's a it's all voluntary and you know, there's a lot of people that start in a cohort and then by the time you get to the end, you know, there's, you know, maybe a quarter or a half of the people um left. And and the whole reason I mention that is because it's it's hard work and and you know, people kind of go as far as they can and then they just decide that they, they don't want to do it. They might have already even paid, you know, and they're like, you know, I just can't. It's it's too much or whatever. Um, because it takes a lot of time. And, um, really, you know, you really have to be, um, not to use a word that's probably, you know, overused, but vulnerable, extremely vulnerable and put it all out on the table. And, um,
0: it sounds like it's not comfortable work. And so you have to be of a certain mindset to, to make it all the way through.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, um, I, I think that there's, there's a a phrase that's kind of stepping up, um that's keeps coming up in my mind and um there's a couple and you know you kinda once you go through the program you hear these phrases and they become like, oh gosh, that okay. You're going there again? Okay. <laughs> but you know, it's like the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, it 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 kinda makes sense, you know, if you're if you're kinda half in your job. Take a look at your relationship, chances are you're kinda of half in to your relationship, or you're, you know, you're kind of like half into um a hobby that you're doing that you want to make an avocation or you wanna make some extra money with it, but it's not going anywhere. Guess why? Because you're half into it. Your relationship's not working because you're half in, your job's miserable because you're half in. But so the the way you do one thing is the way you do everything is one of the sayings. And um, it's really annoying after you hear it like a hundred times you're like okay I get it I was a minute late I'm sorry you know um, and there's another concept there which is to to kind of acknowledge breakdowns so being a minute late it's not small it's not a small um, thing you know it's it's actually a big it's a big deal you know and you know because the way you do one thing is the way you do everything so showing up a minute late shows that that you're not respecting other people's time you know so for example but the one of the other things that's coming up for me is this idea that you like you are the sole author of your life you know like no one else gets to write your story so there's this idea of personal responsibility and um I think that's a really important aspect of emotional intelligence. How Uh,
0: did that change your views on what emotional intelligence is and why it's important in your relationships?
1: Well, there was this idea of taking responsibility for 100% of the results in my life. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes that takes a reimagining of the situation so we have to have a new set of um you know, mental skills i guess uh or you know a whole new mindset that's open to um reimagining yourself at the center of responsibility for everything mm-hmm. you know everything um so i think that you know, going back to the couch conversations, you know, thinking about, I I don't even know, I can't even think of the specific things that we were talking about, but, you know, there were, there were, you know, doubts that, you know, this was right or, you know, you know, whatever it might be. And, you know, I was just able to, for maybe the first time in my life, you know, sit there and kind of take it in and be like, okay, well, how am I responsible for this result? Mm. You know, mm-hmm. whereas before I might have been like, well, you know, whatever, you know, I, I don't want to talk about this right now, or you know, yeah. uh, you know, leave or crack open a beer or whatever. Right. <laughs> um,
0: so yeah, I think the point that you're making is that responsibility, taking responsibility for the interactions we have with our partners, even if in the moment we're thinking. That's on them, you know, the way they feel is on them. And I don't think I did anything wrong, but coming back to this place of a a relationship is always two people. Mm -hmm. And any interaction that happens, any stimulus, any response, anything that goes on inside those walls, to some degree, each partner has some responsibility. In some circumstances, it might be more one partner, in others, it might be the other. But at the end of the day, all of our interactions with our partners, um, our reciprocal and mm-hmm. when it comes to our you know understanding of our own emotions and each other's emotions and how we handle them and listen it actually sometimes has less to do with what we're talking about and more to do with how we talk about it yeah. right which kind of is 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 what you're definitely getting at yeah, and
1: then that gets to a whole another whole another thing which is active listening which is something that you know I learned about through the emotional intelligence leadership program. Uh, and it, you know, it talks a lot about kind of listening to what's in between the words. So tapping into the emotion that's mm-hmm. there. Um, it's um, one of the aspects of active listening.
0: Yeah. So we know that there's kind of two different um, dimensions to emotional intelligence, right? There's your, your own um, awareness and understanding and processing and communication of your own feelings. And then there's also your ability to listen to and validate and acknowledge and support your partner and their feelings. So let's break down the first one, which is the intrapersonal or your own feelings and how you make sense of them. How would you say you've grown over time in your intrapersonal emotional intelligence?
1: Well. How have I grown? Um, immensely, I guess. I mean, it doesn't really happen overnight, you know. And I think that um, it's something that's it's an ongoing process. Um, I'll mention Joe Dispenza very briefly, but but he he talks about and and this is probably the biggest way that I've grown, and it's because of stuff that I learned from him, Doctor Joe Dispenza. Look him up; he's amazing. Um, but we really have two choices as a, as an individual. We can, we all kind of define ourselves, right? We have some sort of idea of who we are, some, you know, awareness or whatever you want to call it. And we can define ourselves by memories of the past, feelings from the past, or we can define ourselves by a vision of the future, and I think that's probably the biggest way that I grew because I was so caught up in all these things that I had done, that fell flat on their face. I, you know, was a failure. Oh, you know, I, I hurt people. I'm, you know, I was deceitful. Um, I lacked integrity. You know, um, so I really had to kind of quite literally become a different person. And I think that's the the biggest way that I grew intrapersonally um because i know what that word means intrapersonally that's that's me (laughs) (laughs) um so i really i really went you know full bore on defining this this um version of myself based on a vision of my future Mm -hmm. and i really got really clear on what that looked like and um And then, you know, tapped into that emotion of of what it was like to be that person, you know, again, which gets back to this idea of reimagining, you know, you have to really have this whole mindset. So your neurocircuitry is, you know, it's literally rewiring itself to to be able to tap into these things like it sounds kind of like a, you know, kind of um woo-woo to talk about okay well i came up with this vision of my future and then i sat and i kind of you know call it what you ever call it whatever you want to praying meditating whatever but i sat there and i literally tapped into the emotion of what it felt like you know to work in renewable energy or have this beautiful smart wife um that was loving and caring and 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 we got to you know, do do all these creative things together and um you know, so, and, and and it's kind of freaky almost sometimes. I look at my life and I'm like, this is what I was dreaming about. This is the vision that I had, that I connected with, you know, three or four years ago or whatever. And now it's all kind of coming together. So um, I think that's the biggest way that I've grown interpersonally in, in, is that defining myself on a vision of the future.
0: Okay, and then how about interpersonally, which is the ability to listen and acknowledge, validate, and support your partner, even if you don't necessarily agree. So thinking about how you've grown over the years, what would you say are some of the biggest lessons you've learned?
1: Um, Yeah, so the biggest lesson I learned in this regard was— you know, going back to taking a hundred percent responsibility for a hundred percent of the results. So if someone feels, so if my partner feels a certain way and, and she comes to me and says, you know, you, when you did that, it, it, you know, it made me feel this way and and I don't want to feel this way. I don't want you to act that way. Um, you know, really being able to put that in into perspective and, and have genuine empathy and sit with it you know it's not just like lip service empathy it's it's genuine empathy like you, you say the thing and i sit with it not just for like five or ten seconds but like it seems like an eternity when you're sitting there in silence with somebody when you're having a heavy conversation when you're sitting there for two, I remember long silences on the couch when we were talking, you know, and, and it was okay. I felt, you know, call it whatever you want, but, you know, I felt God in those moments. I felt, you know, an energy in the room that was swirling and, and it wasn't combative energy or, you know, hostile. It was, it was a benign energy and it was a It was it was calm. Um so I think that really sitting with that taking a hundred hundred percent responsibility for everything, really sitting with that, um really will improve your interpersonal emotional intelligence. And you really, you know, you could be so far from the center of responsibility. But the important, uh, the importance is reimagining yourself at the center of that of the responsibility. You can't be defensive if you're if you're living that. You know, you know. Do I still get defensive? Sure, because <laughs> you never get it right and you never get it done right. But I still know. Uh, I still know what it's like to to sit with that idea.
0: So it's one thing to talk about emotional intelligence on a theoretical level and, you know, some of the higher level, you know, spiritual ways of thinking about it and benefits of it. It's another thing to think about it on a practical level. Right. So someone listening to this podcast going, "Okay, cool, emotional intelligence sounds cool. What does that actually mean, right? Because nobody wants to think that they're not already emotionally intelligent. Everyone's like, i'm I know I know what my feelings are. I don't need to learn how to talk about my feelings. But in reality, if it was that easy, we wouldn't have as many problems in our relationships as we do. so what what advice do you have for listeners who are going, "I'm interested in this idea of emotional intelligence, but what how where can I actually learn more? What can I do to you know improve my intrapersonal or interpersonal emotional intelligence skills
1: a spark workshop <laughs> um and but i mean if we're talking about um i mean i think spark really does have implications for intra and interpersonal emotional intelligence for sure
0: and i think for people who are are wanting to to learn more about it there's actually so many resources out there that you can you know google if you just read articles and watch videos and listen to podcasts and attend workshops and trainings i mean emotional intelligence is truly a skill right it's it's one thing to just feel feelings it's another thing to be able to manage and navigate the understanding and expression of those feelings in a productive way in a relationship. And it's so possible, but it just takes a little effort on your part to go out there and find the information, find the help. And, you know, ideally, if you're in a relationship right now, you and your partner both do this together, because if one partner is doing the work and the other is Hmm. not,
1: it's where does
0: that leave us?
1: Yeah. I used to call it playing ping pong with a mannequin. It's not a really fun game.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for coming in and talking to me today.
1: Cool. Yeah, thank you. I'll talk to you later.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'll see you when we get home. (laughs) Hey guys, Magna here, founder of Spark Relationship and Sexual Wellness. I wanted to let you know that we offer public workshops, relationship coaching, corporate events, bachelor and bachelorette parties, and guest speaking across the country. We're so glad you tuned in today and we hope you'll check out all the other cool things we're doing on our website, sparkwithmagna.com. You can find that link in the description. And also, make sure you're following us on Instagram and Facebook, where we post daily tips and tricks to spice up your love life. Thanks for your support. I'll catch you on the next episode.